It never ends. The missions and the fancy array of European foods. One's obviously really good. The other, let's talk about it. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. We have a, man, what's the best way to say this? We have a major, major, (laughs) major, major show to talk about an episode to be able to break down. How did I do? How was that pun? Good. It was beautiful. So good. So I good. It this time. Oh, I totally cut it too. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank thing. you guys for joining us for another episode and breakdown and after show of Catch 22, which is Hulu's mini series based off the book Catch 22 and talking about being a, a pilot and a bombardier in World War II. We have so much to talk about this episode, breaking it down, talking about characters, talking about who is the enemy, talking about whatever it takes to get out of flying, you know, our boy Yo-Yo trying many different things, and then obviously Milo, what kind of business is he running here? And then so excited, again, our special segments and new special segments, talking with you guys about some incredible real-life heroes from World War II and some incredible co-hosts that I have next to me here, Linda and Janine. Thank you both. Hey, guys. This episode, overall thoughts, what do you got? I loved it. I love the planned words. I love shows that make me think. Mm -hmm. And this had me all in by episode two. Yeah, I felt like it really took the foundation that they'd built in season or uh, episode one, Mm -hmm. and they really blew it out. Mm -hmm. And I... It just loved every minute of it. No, I, I fully agree in that it took it to that next level. Where mm-hmm. especially like in, in that first episode, you had it where, you know, they had the parade and it was very nonchalant. And then, you know, you, you had it where, uh, who was the, uh, Henry Mudd was, you know, the new guy who was playing upside down. And I feel like that really clicked and it's still on that now where it's, it's serious. You realize that they are in war. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt it, about mm-hmm. it now. So moving into you know our topic, I think the, the question that I was continually asking myself throughout is, who is the enemy? We're talking about being in war. We know that they're, obviously, they're fighting and fighting, uh, you know, the forces uh, in and out of Europe. But it was like, who is the who is the enemy? Is it the Germans who aren't really named? Is it Cathcart, who certainly is continually, as we'll talk about, raising and raising and raising the number of missions? Is it the actual war itself? Who are we supposed to hate? Go, Go. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I think that the enemy is is yourself. Your enemy is wow, is, I like that. is who who are we fighting? Do you even know what the mission is? Do you even know hmm. what war is about? Which I think that we've talked about a little bit. And I think that these young guys they don't know. And so when he asks like who's the enemy and he's like, anyone, anyone, no one really knows because who is the enemy? Is it Italy because you're in Italy? Is it the Germans who are, you know, like the Germans? Or is it yourself or is it the American army who, like you said, keep upping the ante to what the missions are? And like, what exactly are those missions? So I don't think anyone really knows. I think the enemy is yourself and the enemy is the whole like structure of what the military is and what the army is and what the air force is and no one really knows but we just keep moving forward. Hmm. Yeah, I would completely agree that the system mm-hmm. is by far the biggest enemy because it's clear leadership has 
no idea what's mm-hmm. really happening. Mm-hmm. They have a number of examples of this happening in the first two episodes yep. where, you know, they don't know what has been bombed, hasn't been bombed, what people's <laughs> names are or their ranks, what they they really don't have any idea of what's actually going on. Um, and so I think a system that allows leadership to put these young men's lives on the line without any sort of like re- responsibility, oversight, repercussions, that whole system is broken. Mm-hmm. I and not a military expert, but I would imagine there are some elements still of that today. And they did that, uh, showing us that in two ways. They did that, obviously, by, you know, having it be where you didn't really know what was going on, and they're up in the number of missions and that kind of portrayal. But then they included an, an, a non-American, uh, Marcello, who was played by Giancarlo Giannini, mm-hmm. who was I, I, a pimp. Is he? What is his official term? You think pimp? We're going I pimp. I think whatever the Italian slang uh, word well, for pimp is. A pimpe. Yeah. A pimpe. Pimpino. Pimpe. Yeah. Where that's he, what he, is. he talks about playing. You know, it, it's all about survival, and yeah. he's like, "We just survive." And he's mm-hmm. like, "We're we're not good or we're bad," and that that almost makes you think like, "Would I rather be that? Would is that better than?" Always being on the front lines and always being have to, oh, we got to conquer. We got to conquer here and then take this many missions and win the win. But I feel like that's a play on life, right? So I remember years ago hearing this where you're either a climber or a camper, you know, and the climber is climbing the mountain and wants to, like, continue to get to the top of the mountain to see the view. Mm -hmm. And the camper goes to the mountain. They find a spot, spot and they camp out. It's the same thing. So, like... Are you just merely surviving or are you trying to like make some things happen? It's the same like play on life I felt in that moment when I was saying that. I'm just going to take this a break here to say that I love that analogy. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that before. Have you heard that, Janine? No, I haven't. Is that a Canadian thing? Uh, maybe. Yeah, it might be a Canadian thing. But I that's mean, so I, true. I, I don't know. There, so that, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Very true. But that does certainly apply so well to what we're talking yeah. about here. Of the, you know, you have the one, obviously, the U.S. is climbers. Yeah. You have it where you're breaking down photos and saying, we destroyed this, we destroyed this, we got them on the heels, we got it. And there is joy in victory. Yeah. But then there's also joy in not fighting at all. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So absolutely. who are you and, and what are you and what do you want to be about? Would That's you a consider, great question. What are you? Are you a climber? I would say that I'm probably a climber. I I see injustice happening like in the day, even if it's a small injustice, and I like want to be the person that jumps in, even if it has nothing to do with me. So I, yeah, I am. I'm the climber. Linda, yeah, I'm a climber. <laughs> but, I mean, we all know that already. Climber. Well, yeah. I would love. I would love to be a camper once in a while, but mm-hmm. I, I can't get yeah. comfortable with that. I. I feel almost like I'm I'm fighting my true nature if I'm camping. I'm just too I think I'm too nosy. I'm too like curious. I'm too everything to just be like, oh, you know, I'm cool here. I'm I'm the person that's in the movie that's gonna go open the door and be like, who's there? And gets killed. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's because well, I need to know who's there. <laughs> well, I think you hit it. Uh, you know, hit it on the head of having us move forward of saying Yo Yo is a camper. Yeah. Yo-Yo, I think that is the best description because he certainly connects uh, and, you know, really doesn't want to be there again. He's constantly trying to get out. He definitely connects to uh, Giancarlo and his whole character. And it's just like, 
at one end, you can't blame him that well. You can't blame him that much for wanting to get out again. If you're in there and you know that you're risking your life every single day and it's like all I have is X number of missions to go and then they're like, oh, we're adding five. And then you're within two again. Oh, we're adding five. Mm -hmm. And we're adding five. It's so frustrating. That would be just soul crushing to have that target keep moving further and Mm -hmm. further back. Where it's not just like a perfect, like a a minor goal. It's like a life or death goal. Literally life or death. Literally life or death. I don't know. Like, what are you doing it for? Like, again, for me, when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, why did you join? Why did you join? Were you drafted in? Mm Because we don't know that. Because drafted, you had no choice. And if he is, and we all agree that he is a camper, then this is definitely not the path that he should be on. But I also think, too, like, if you are the true American hero, quote unquote, then just do your job and, and represent America the way Americans always say, hey, you know what, this America is so great and I'm going to defend it to the bitter end. Well, don't forget, he also said pretty early on that he was biding his time. He wanted to join just in the nick of time yeah. to be over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think he signed up knowing that this is really what he was signing up for. Well, I wonder, too, and they, they haven't touched on this yet, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, uh, of who's backing them up? Because if you know that there's many more pilots and there's many more infantry people and everything else, then it's like, okay, yeah, you did your turn. Like, mm-hmm. you put your name in the hat in the lottery enough times that someone else can come in and back you up. If there's nobody else, and they touch about that in here of saying, are they doing all these missions because they actually want to win faster, because they want to get over with, or is this just to please Cathcart and get him to be a general? And they don't answer that. They just put that out there, and that's, I think, moving forward, hopefully the things that we'll see. Uh, do you ladies see the missions ever ending? No. You think, do you think 40, it's going to keep going? Yeah, yeah, I totally, I mean, I, I come in with a little bit of, like, the book knowledge, but, <laughs> but I also think that this show wouldn't be the show that it is if they weren't constantly, you know... Upping the ante. Yeah, it's that feedback loop. There's more and more and more, and... Um, that this is his hero's journey. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the missions are ending at all. I think it's part of it. It never ends, hmm. you know. And and if if we're looking at the bigger picture, and I'm trying to you know not go all the way there because I am that person. But if you look at the bigger picture, whether it's like a cold war, an active war, or you're not in war, it's always war time. So like the mission will never end because mm-hmm. there's a, you're always on some type of mission. So I for me as the missions kept being upped, upped, up, it's like, yeah, that's that's true. Because mm-hmm. it never ends. It's now it's you're always doing something, fighting for a cause, moving towards something, and it's always about, you know, the military. And I don't want to throw Yo Yo under the bus because we're making it seem like he is the only one who doesn't want to be fighting. That's absolutely not true. Obviously when we see Sergeant Major 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 getting promoted to major, 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 major. (laughs) He takes that and then plays out his role in a way that, well, I don't want to have to fight. I don't want to do anything. And then you have Hugh Laurie's character, Major de Coverly, who, what is he doing? He's not fighting. So, like, is the point in all this, I think, nobody wants to be fighting. Yeah, I mean, okay, so... 
Major, major, major. Major. The sergeant. Oh, sergeant. Sergeant version of major. I'm just going to say one major. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant major. He was one of the guys. He was sort of on the same page as everyone else. Mm-hmm. It baffled me how quickly he slid into that leadership role and did exactly what everyone else was doing, which was yep. totally checking out, biding their time, staying somewhere nice, cushy, safe, painting his boat. Hugh Laurie's character, uh, Major Dick Coverly, mm-hmm. is playing horseshoes and drinking scotch in the garden. They all have their outlet, their safe retreat, and it it's really surprised me how quickly he shifted from one of the guys to one of the others, you mm-hmm. know? So, back on my, you know, soapbox, I think that this was, all of this, especially in episode two, was super important to set up uh, the series. I think that when we're talking about war and we're talking about war times, we also have to talk about the bureaucracy behind war and the business of war. And so, you know, just playing off of what you're saying, how they didn't know what, who was what, what was who, and all in the paperwork. But what they did know is that they had a major who was supposed to be at this uh, LARHAB uh, meeting. And they find out in the field that he's a sergeant and not a major. So just in a split de- uh, decision, they're like, oh, we're going to just promote him. Which is completely absurd, right? Because mm-hmm. he's a new recruit. They promote him. And then he's like, well, what are my duties going to be? Are they going to be different? Yeah, they're going to be different. Just act like a major, which goes to what you're saying. Act like a major. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to shift into the bureaucracy. I don't want to ever talk to anyone. I never want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit in this office till the war is over. Buy my time. And buy my time. And then uh, when we're talking about the other major and his major decisions was the truffle decision. So, like... You're talking about truffles, and again, back to food, because I'm mm-hmm. a foodie, so you're talking about truffles, and you're talking about um, the lamb chops and all of that. Those are your decisions in wartime. Meanwhile, you have young men who are risking their lives, who are dying on planes, but we don't want to talk about that. And you have the one guy who actually does want to be there and is really fighting at the end, Clevenger, the friend, Yeah, yeah and the episode, and... He's Gone. missing in action. Yeah, missing yeah I don't action. want to say dead because something maybe could happen. Yeah. Uh, but he's missing in action. Yeah. So the one guy who actually does want to be there, does that make anyone else want to be there? Is that the one guy who wants to be there possibly dies? And Major Major had his handbook and he's like the maybe gloom. i should get around to reading yeah. this and i'm wondering did any of the other like upper rank officers did they read it did the other lieutenants did the other majors did they read this book as well probably because not you guys are all playing by the same rules right now and it's nonsense which well, i thought was funny because that book is called gloom group leaders operations manual what are your powers? Mm. Michael, what are your powers? What no are my powers? Ooh, we don't have enough time. <laughs> I don't think to kind of go over my powers. Uh, one of the powers, though, uh, powers at B in this whole series, Milo. This mm. has to, this is like one of the most interesting storylines. Absolutely. Where he is obviously a foodie. I, I think, I don't know if he's a scam foodie or if he's an actual foodie. That's like, just again, trying to not serve as with everyone else. And he's found his way by commanding the food in the mess hall and getting tomatoes and lamb chops and olive oil and various other... Yeah. (laughs) This 
plotline is hilarious. It's agreed. It's so my great. favorite. Yes, agreed. It's my favorite. And part. also, I keep thinking, I keep wanting to know who is this guy when he's not at war. Like, what does this mm. slick dude do for a living? He's got to be in sales or something because he's just so smooth. Yeah. And it, all about that bottom dollar, that 300% markup. Yeah. It's so entertaining. Were yeah. you able to follow the salesmanship that he was? I I am, like, I've done sales, and I still was, he was speaking really fast, obviously to confuse the major. of like, well, you're getting it at this level, and then this, and then you're basically getting it for cost, and then I was my cost, and then I was obviously, this is what you're getting it. It's basically you're getting it for free. Was it multi-level marketing? That I, was my <laughs> question. It has to be a Ponzi scheme. It has to be. He's like, well, if they're sending us this, we have to send them something back. So we're going to have to do that. And between like the Hershey's and the tomatoes and the olives, I was like, oh, he has a whole thing. And I loved how when he came with the watermelons and the guy's like, dude, that's my job. He's like, well, yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. I'm like the mess hall manager now. And it was beautiful. I was like, that's exactly it. It's It's a bit of sales and it's a bit of food knowledge and you like mash it all up together with fast talking. You can't go wrong. You really can't. Yeah. Are you, you're a major foodie. Mm-hmm. So does like what they're talking about, obviously the European thing, is this stuff that they couldn't get back in America? What? So here's what I think. I think that um, during those times, the the food that you can get in Europe is different than the food that you could get in America. And especially with like the olive oil mm-hmm. and the tomato and the spices and all of that, I think that that was brand new. So it was opening, it was blowing their minds because it was something that they hadn't had before, like the truffles um, and and the lamb chops, all in a special way. So because it wasn't like a day-to-day thing, besides mm. the strudel, which was a day-to-day thing that he said he could also do, I think that it was like a... a What's the word? I'm delicacy. Like, delicacy. Yeah, it was a delicacy, and he was selling it on what they didn't know. So even if it wasn't as good as, it was going to be amazing because they don't know it. And let's also keep in mind that during the war, food was rationed. Yeah. Um, it was rationed mm. in the U.S. It was rationed in Europe. Um, trade would not have been possible, so maybe it was something they hadn't been able to see for a long time. There are probably, like, a lot of reasons that they were so excited. I mean, they'd obviously seen a tomato before. I'm just wondering when the last time they saw a fresh tomato is, right? Because they have mess hall strudel. That's what they have, you know, or, like, the soup. They didn't have, like, very many, like, fresh, delicious things. And we saw that in episode one, um... When the major was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's soup. It's uh, meat and vegetables, I think. (laughs) And he's like, no, I'm not having that. I'll be in my tent and I want sardines on toast. Mm -hmm. And that kind of brought the whole food issue up. And I think that that exactly what you're saying, Janine, like food was so rationed and it was so uh, non-tasty. So to have these things that looked amazing and beautiful and colorful, um, especially like if, if we remember the lamb chops when he brought it on that tray and he had like the uh, the platter the platter the serving platter I was like oh they're making this the biggest deal ever yeah mm-hmm. which you know it was yeah and he knows that that again that's his ticket not to fly yeah and I think uh, you know the major calls him was like what what are you what is this what he's like yeah this is what I do this is the full thing and I can yeah. get you this and I can get you this and it's like let me please you enough that you don't have to send me out to do forty missions yeah. 
because again it's much safer and i love how he even says oh we can just fly those in fly them in like that that's how many miles behind enemy lines oh don't worry we have a meetup spot that we can go to answer for everything how did he i want to i want to sit down with this guy i want to pick his brain Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah. There's a flashback in there. Now, I guess not a flashback, but maybe a reminiscence uh, by Yo-Yo of the girl, of George Clooney's wife. What do you think the significance of that was? Do you think that is looking ahead to the future or just something that he thought of to try to get away from reality? Oh, escapism all the way. I'm sure all of them were thinking about their girl back home, whether it was an actual romantic relationship or a fling or... Mm-hmm. What have you. It was complete escapism. I mean, they have women painted on the side of their airplanes. Mm-hmm. They're clearly reminiscing <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that his whole spiel and shtick is that he doesn't want to be there. So when we talked about the glom and he was like, you going to figure out what that does and I'll be in the hospital. And he goes back to the hospital and this time it's his liver but he, he just doesn't want... He wants to stay in there until this whole war is over. So I think it, it, it's exactly that. It's the escapism. And remembering the simpler times or remembering how he was like the ladies' man. You know, mm-hmm. he thought he was so slick and smooth to be sleeping with his boss's wife. And now he's actually at war. That is definitely the, another big part of it when he's in the infirmary and... Is again, is it better to be in the firmary? And he's not happy there. No. He's bored, and then you have the text in. And, uh, Jean, you were saying kind of about the, the book and how that relates. Yeah, so um, it's, a little, it's a little different how they structure it in the book. Um, they did a slower buildup. He sort of went straight to liver in the book. Um, and also the Texan, they set it up really nicely in the book where the, they have a bunch of guys just like Yo-Yo, who are all, oh, my my spleen or my whatever. <laughs> Everything hurts, right? And then the texting comes in and really quickly clears them all out. Suddenly, everyone <laughs> is cured. In the show, you know, he got in a fight. He sort of was like, oh, okay, I'm recovered, and then went back out. But I really wish that they had had that sort of play out a little bit more true to the book because it it was so funny. This guy is so obnoxious, mm. has no sense of self-awareness. Did right? they break it down in the book why the Texan was in there? Because we didn't see that, obviously. He seemed like he was fine. Yeah, I, I have sort of a feeling that he was there to... Flush everyone. Flush everyone out. Mm. Yeah, because he was so obnoxious. He was so obnoxious. So obnoxious, nonstop talking. And I think that they know that people are trying to not go to war. So can I go to the infirmary? And I, I love, let's just plant this dude here and he'll just be nonstop irritating. I love that they actually had the guy in the full cast talk. Because for a while, I was like, is there actually anyone in there? Like, what is that going on? And they're like, this guy you doesn't want to hear. He's like, no, I'm fine. And you just hear some words and you see some mouth moving. <laughs> Poor guy. And it's like, he can't fake those injuries. Mm-hmm. You do not fake a, you know, a full body cast. Not that. body is broken. Not that, yeah. And he, so he couldn't run if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. rest of the guys are all faking it. And they're like running. The fa- I just <laughs> felt so bad for the guy in the cast. And also, like, 
you have no idea how many itches you have until mm. like you are not physically able to scratch them. Mm-hmm. That would be just torturous. Brutal. Yeah, Brutal. better or worse than being in an airplane, being mm-hmm. shot at. I'm not really sure. So the last scene, and I will talk about this uh, before we get into our special segments and our news, is Yo-Yo running. And it ends with him running. And we don't know, is he running for exercise? Is he escaping? Is he going back to the beach? What do you ladies think? I think it's like a clear your head. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of there because, if I remember correctly, right at the very end, don't they bump the number back up? Yeah. Yeah, they bump so it to 40. he 40. freaks mm-hmm. out, has to get out of there, clear his mind a little bit, just get some space. So you, you is... think he hasn't gone AWOL? No, 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 I don't think he's okay. gone AWOL. Okay, Yeah, I don't think he's gone AWOL. I think that he is about to freak out and... Instead of freaking out and going AWOL, he's just going to, like, run and see where that get, gets him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be very interested, uh, certainly at, at, per IMDb, that they have uh, Marcelo, who, again, is Giancarlo Giannini. They have him listed as six episodes. So mm-hmm. I'll be very interested of the relationship that uh, Yo-Yo will have with him because I yeah. see such a similarity there. And again, is is the grass? I think he's one of those like grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just have to see. But that leads us to our special segments, which if you haven't been following us since episode one, we are actually talking about real heroes from World War II. And these are incredible people. There's a reason that this is called the Greatest Generation. And Janine, you're tonight telling us about Major Richard Sherman. Yeah. So uh, if you are watching on the YouTube uh, stream right now, so Major Richard Sherman um, is who's on screen and look at that smile he's so adorable yeah, so so a little bit about him because he had a fascinating experience in the military so he spent 13 months in china as a bombardier mm-hmm. and uh, a navigator with the 11th bomb squadron of the 14th air force which was nicknamed the flying tigers does that name ring a bell to you guys? Flying what was the flying? Because those airplanes were called some, something flying something. I wrote oh. it down. So you will probably recognize those um, the image of the planes with the shark face. Fly me high. In in the show. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So um, the flying tigers were a really really interesting piece of World War II history. So basically, they were a group of volunteer. Um, bomb bomb squads basically that were working in conjunction with the Chinese government to hmm. fight against the Japanese and so um they flew missions over China from 1941 to 1942 major sherman who we saw in that first photo um flew a remarkable i want to say 50 something missions in China. And he was actually shot down at one point on February 13th, 1944 by the Japanese that were disguised as a Chinese fishing crew. And so they had to make this last minute decision whether they were going to land in the water, try and land on the earth. Mm -hmm. And they ended up landing on the earth and the Chinese came to rescue them. But they were a really well respected and really feared group of Bombardiers. Bombardiers. Yep. And you got it um, right. You got I it did. right. There it is. Um, he said that when they tried, um, when they l- actually landed, they were really happy they hadn't decided to try and jump out of the airplane because rats had eaten through their parachutes. Love it. I know. Isn't that what? crazy? How terrifying. So um, the Flying Tigers today are remembered for their courage and for being pioneers in forging strong Chinese 
American relationships. Wow. So they're, yeah, really, really big deal. So Major Richard Sherman, he actually passed away a few months ago, but we'd mm-hmm. still like to let him and his family know that we're really thankful for his service. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So grateful. Yeah, again, the greatest generation and the, the sacrifices. Obviously, this is very satirical, this show, but... I mean, we're talking about D-Day and talking about Normandy and everything else of even that you see in this show where you have Yo-Yo in a a glass tube flying and you're getting shrapnel coming from everywhere. And I was thinking I was like watching this and it was just like, what is the percentage that you get hit? Is it is it a 30% chance, maybe a 25% chance? And like every time you go out, you're like, well, you, you never know. And Major says that, like, guys... Some of you aren't going to come back. That's the easiest way to say. Yeah, we can actually see the PTSD sort of developing on his face. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what's so beautiful about how that character was portrayed, too, is Mm -hmm. it is so true. That panic, Mm -hmm. that terror. And I can't believe that that was, you know, a job that thousands of young men Mm -hmm. had to do. Mm Mm-hmm. News is that this show almost didn't make it to air. That is very, very true. Um, So George Clooney was just not interested in this project in the beginning. But he did an interview with Vanity Fair and he said, bringing this work to TV was a risky move, but the finished product is exceedingly well done. And at a time when government gobbledygook has trumped all precious notions of unbelievability, perhaps more urgent than anyone could have ever predicted, it's so good, it might even make you want to read the book. The highest praise in this era era of peak TV, which I think is genius because Mm -hmm. the show is a play on words and his answer to why he actually ended up doing the show is the plan words, which I think is is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, if you guys are watching us on YouTube too, uh, we have a, this photo is like one of my favorite stills because if we remember from the first episode where it was all about the parade and then finally uh, they all, it seemed like they all had it down packed and then the one soldier was like, I'm going down, I'm going down, whether it was heat or whether he's being a jerk, <laughs> I don't know what. And that play on those words again was really, really important. So Clooney directed and executive produced uh, the series. He also stars in it. And we know that it's a limited series. We know it's only six episodes and they're all really, really great episodes. And he says, while the project is many things, it's ambitious, uh, cinematic, 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 complex. It is not, he has insisted, his return to television. Mm. The medium that basically made him an amazing, full-on movie star. And so I guess my question to you guys is, do we remember what his TV breakthrough show was? ER. ER, 1980s ER. That's what bonified him as a superstar. Yep. Yep. And which... Brings me to our photo, if you're watching us again live. Uh, Hugh Laurie and him, both medical superstar characters. House. Yeah, who are now, you know, bonafide superstars. And and I love that they're both in this show right now Mm because they are definitely superstar actors. I love them both as actors. I really do. Awesome. Well, as we move to predictions, I'm going to switch predictions up and say. And now. 
Which character do you care most about moving forward? Hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, we have to love Yo-Yo, right? Yeah. But I am really excited to see Milo develop. I want to see what else he smuggles in. And um, I want to see how Major, 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 Major does. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I, uh, obviously, it's about Yo-Yo throughout. He's going to be like the, the string that holds it all together. I'm also really interested uh, in Major Decovely and, and what his experience as a major and a foodie is bringing to the table in this whole thing. Like, how does he wrap it all together? Because what we did see um, in this episode as well that we, we kind of didn't mention, but I'll mention really quickly is how he goes to the wartime cafe and he's sitting there and he's like, oh, I want to requisition that building across the street. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I also want to have like a spot of tea. You know? Mm-hmm. What? Like, what, what, what's happening right now? <laughs> so I'm very curious. And, I, and so that's someone who I'd care about and to see what happens in, in the next few episodes moving yeah, forward. I, I definitely agree uh, with the Milo of, I, again, it's all a sham to not serve. And so where is he going to go? What's the next thing that he's going to come up with? The next piece of food, the next something. Maybe when they get used to the foods, then there's a standard that you have to upkeep, and there's going to be more pressure on him. Uh, But then also Marcelo, who is our pimp. Uh, Because I think, again, I think his perspective in coordination with Yo-Yo of, do you want to be a camper or do you want to be a climber? So we shall see. And Nately. I, mm. I want to see if things progress with Nately and his mm-hmm. lady friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm. I have a feeling she'll turn. I know she's in it for the money now, but I have a feeling she'll turn. He, love is greater than money. You have to believe in it. You can try. <laughs> That's a terrible thing. We're being positive on this show. We're all about this show here on AfterBuzz TV. And again, if you guys like this show on AfterBuzz, go check out so many of the other shows on AfterBuzz TV. It's the ESPN of TV Talk. Look at this. The logo right there. ESPN of TV Talk. <laughs> and you guys can find all your favorite shows. We have a post-show wrap-up and discussion forum for almost every single one. The Bachelor, Game of Thrones, any medical drama that we have. Grey's Anatomy, if you want to be able to do your medical stuff. That's where you can find it. Go check us out. Like, comment, subscribe. It takes a matter of seconds. That means a lot to us. It means a lot to keeping good content on the air so definitely do that before we go though i want to again shout out my amazing amazing co-host janine and linda where can the fans find you guys you can find me all across social media at linda so girly and i'm janine doyon and you can find me at janine doyon and i'm michael klaus you can find me at the only mc on instagram and on twitter again guys thank you so much for watching this after show for episode two of catch 22 on hulu episode three get ready Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 